Yes, you know, our lives we lead busy lives, and sometimes we can be busy and despairing lives quite often. Um, sometimes we like to throw the pity party, sometimes we think we're trying as hard as we can, but it just isn't working. And feel frustrated and confused. Um, I just wanted to talk about God's love and His faithfulness. Because quite often it's an abundance of doom and gloom, even in church. And especially when I thought about Sunday school last week, talking about temptation and its effects. It's always good to have good news. It's always good to have good news. And we have lots of good news. And we should celebrate it. And interestingly enough, this morning I picked up my niece, bring her to church. And as is normal, we are talking from the time I pick her up to the time I drop her off. And part of the conversation was about her mom. So I said, well, my, my pet name for her is Mirage. I said, Mirage, how are you getting home? So oh, my mom picked me up. I said, really? And why did your mom pick you up? Because just previously that, we had a conversation about her best friend. Now she talks to her best friend all day long, all week down its vacation, and even on Saturday. So I said, well, if you're talking to your friend all the time, when you get to talk with mommy and tell her how much you love her and help her with the cooking and the washing and the ironing, and she says, well, that's why I talk with my friend all the time. <laughs> so she doesn't have to help with the cooking and the washing and everything else. We said, oh, mommy and I, we have our special time. I said, well, why do you think mommy's going to pick you up? Especially when you won't talk with her all day long and all week long. She literally just said, I'm not going to church because I don't want to be around Mirage. And that'll never happen. So, you sure you're coming to church? Mean mommy's going to pick you up? Absolutely. She can't change? Oh, definitely not. How do you know? Oh, mommy loves me. She can't. She had nothing to me. She said, oh, I say, okay. And I tried to shake her and she was unshakable. And she was grinning and smiling as if, oh, the problem's been absolutely idiot, Does he know mom's going to come and pick me up? And then eventually she changed the subject because I guess I was tired of her out. <laughs> but um, it's interesting. You know, I've got the confidence in, in mom. And if you know her and her mom, Miranda is like a, an appendage on the band. If Miranda is anywhere around, Miranda will be right there. And that's been since Miranda was a baby. They have this, this really special connection. Even though Miranda just rolls her eyes when Miranda comes, puts her hand around her, kisses her, slobbers all over her, sits in her lap and all sorts of things. They love one another, I mean, as you can't imagine. You know, Billy must be really jealous. Um, but I really like to talk about God's love. And let's never forget how great it is. How great is his love for us? Um, this is a quote from Max Lucado. God is fond of you. If he had a wallet, the photo would be on it. If he had a refrigerator, the picture would be on it. He sends you flowers every spring, every spring, and a sunrise every morning. Face it, friend, he's crazy about you. I have a little um, Every Valentine's, if I have council time in the water, I have a little presentation. I read a, a love letter. I don't say who it's from. And you know, the boys, they're all giggling and making fun because I say things like, I've been watching you and I just love you so much. I can't stop thinking about you. And they think this is a love letter between, you know, a boy and a girl or me to my wife or something like that. But at the end, I sign it, God. Let's say, oh, brother, Paul, because I spoiled it for them. But that's right. But it's true. God writes us and has written us a love letter. Let us know how much he loves us. I mean, a love that really indeed passes all understanding. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. This is David. 
right in Psalms. How often does God think about us? Quite often you've heard me say, Oh God doesn't sleep. He isn't deaf, he isn't blind. Oh God loves us. How often do you think God thinks about us? And I'm going to pause and I want you to think that through. Because every time you breathe, ask questions, is God thinking about me? Is he thinking about what I do? Shadwell, when you have those kinds of temptations, is God thinking about you? Do you mean anything to him during that time? You know, has he forgotten about you? When we're going through the spirit, how are we going to pay this bill? Or why is my child acting up like that? You know, actually, we're in the process of cleaning out our library. And there was this, and Denise saves quotes. And there are these quotes about parents. And one of them was, um, who are these crazy children all around me? And why are they calling me mom? I was talking about relationship between parents and children. And I mean, I, can go, I should have brought a piece of paper because it puts it. I mean, they had me rolling over with laughter. You know? Like, be kind to your children. They will choose your retirement home and those things like, and things like that. Um, but how often is God thinking about us? So when we are in difficulty, don't think that God is ignoring us. Think about how can we honor God and what does he want from us out of this? How are we going to be better as a result of this? And we had a men's uh, gathering on, on Friday. Um, and I had to share with the men because we were talking about things and one of the men was really getting out of hand. But when we are living through, going through the valley of the shadow of death, is God thinking about us? And is He with us? In the midst of our difficulties, is He with us? Does He love us all the time, regardless of what we do? Does He respond to us the way we respond to Him? Or does He just love us unconditionally? What do you think? How often do you think God thinks about us? At all? No, but all. Yes. Sometimes it's Just for a moment, you think that you're on your own. Okay. No, sometimes it's just possible for a moment to think that everything depends on you mm-hmm. instead of God. I believe in God, but. I tell you what, that's not a difficult thought. I believe in God, but sometimes. I have to have a doing my own thing until I feel a need for it. And that's usually after I expire all my efforts. And then I turn to start with it. So now I'm taking the journey straight through. Straight through. Mm-hmm. So now I depend on my own power. And then when I come to the mall, and I know I have to depend on God instead of taking God straight through all the ground. And the position that you take, I can tell you, is no different from the position that I would normally take. It's faced with a huge difficulty. The first inclination is. How do I sort this out? And that's not a thought that's uncommon to man. But well, since you brought it up, I can tell you when I was a young man. <coughs> There was a young lady that I was very attracted to. I mean, I would say loved, infatuated, I don't know what the word is, but very attracted to. 
as far as concerned, there's no one more beautiful, no one more perfect. Absolutely fantastic, right? I mean, talk about being willing to kiss the ground that someone walks on, I was willing to kiss the ground that she walked on. But she got involved in some self-destructive activities. That did not stop me from being infatuated. But it broke my heart because I saw someone that I really loved destroying themselves. I mean, really destroying themselves. And it affected me terribly. I mean, I was in university then. It affected my studies, it affected other relationships, to the point where I actually moved out of the place where I was living. So I couldn't actually see this person, right? It really was destroying me. Think about a God who's thinking about you all the time, who loves you, and he sees you engaging in self-destructive activity, even though he's told you, don't do this. He said, I'm always available. He said, I will not give you anything more than you can bear. I will always give you a way out. Now, he's talked, he's written, he's put people around you, but you still do things that he knows won't be good for you. And what's happening is, instead of going towards him, you're going away from him. That's what happens when we say, don't worry, Lord, I'm going to fix this. We aren't even saying, don't worry, Lord, we're just saying, Lord, you don't exist, I'm going to fix it. Yeah, that's it. That's the, sometimes we're like, God, be so quiet sometimes, and uh, like, like, God, you handle this, man. You just said yourself, let me handle this. But quite often, when God speaks, you don't want to hear what he says, so. So isn't it that he's quiet? He's just really listening. Uh, can, I, can I say a little joke? Go ahead. You know, on the same point with Creon, you know, there was this guy fall on the edge of the And he wasn't too far from the top, but it was a long way down. So he decided to call for help. And he was like, help, help, is anybody up there? And he heard his voice say, yes, it's me, God. He said, oh God, what do you want me to do? That go to branch. They think to himself and say, help, help. Is anybody else up there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's funny, but to be quite honest, when we have to make leaps of faith, that's what we do. You You ask for the advice, you give them the advice, but you don't want to follow it. Because all God is saying is, I'll catch you. But the fact is, whatever God says, whatever God does, whatever God allows to happen, it's because he loves you so much. Just think of it. If as his children, he was willing to sacrifice his son, and then he's going to turn around and betray the people that he and sacrifice his son for, then the sacrifice of his son was for naught. No good reason. That would make, it, make him a pretty idiotic God. He is always loving us. He's never stopped loving us. Now, just like my friend, it got to the point where no matter what I said, she would do the opposite. To the point that I figured I'd try some reverse psychology. But, you know, our loving God never stops loving us, no matter what we do. It hurts him when we go against his wishes or ignores or ignore his will. He loves us so much. He never stops thinking about us. You know? Why do we love? Why do we think about people? Any particular reason why we think about people? People. Or, there's, or, or particular people are always in front of us, whether it's our children, a spouse, without a family member, a good friend. Why do we think about them? They're important. They're important. I, I would hate to think 
that we're wasting our time thinking about unimportant things or unimportant people, if there is such a thing. Now, God in His Word, it says, I said, it's, sorry, the psalmist says, God's thoughts about us cannot be done with. Really what He's saying is, He is continually thinking about us. And why does He do that? That's because He loves us. We're important to Him. So, what He tells us, and what He says to us as our Creator, should be important to us. God's love. 1 John 4, 9-10. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only Son into the world so that we could have life through him. This is what real love is. It is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. He sent his Son to die in our place to take away our sins. I know we're in church and we aren't supposed to covet things or be selfish. I know all of us have a prized possession. Anybody willing to admit what their prized possession is? Don't all shout at once. I have two that I think about. One was woman. One was woman. Was a prized possession. What was that? Woman. A woman. Yeah. Okay. That was like my God idol. And now it is God. And now it is God. Now it is God? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a good Sunday school answer. Anybody else want to share their prized possession? Is, is God? Okay. What about a material thing that we prize? Let me take it out of the spiritual realm. What's a material possession that we have? Oh. Your car? Yeah. Good. Okay. Your car. Okay. Bam. For me, it's people, my children, my friends. Okay. But you like, you're thinking. I'm thinking of a yeah, because we take for granted the people in our lives. I mean, we aren't going to trade them. You know, we aren't, we aren't selling them to any store. Um, even though I threatened to trade one of my sons one time for Poodle. He didn't take too kindly to that. Um, well, one of my prized possessions is a fishing rod that I've got. I. And this isn't because it's an expensive fishing rod. I actually got it free of charge. But it's a fishing rod that I've learned how to use a rod to fish. Because normally I'm a handline fisherman. I've always wanted to learn how to use a fishing rod. And I got this fishing rod and I was able to practice on it and now I'm pretty good. I've never caught a fish on it. But I just love it. I love the thought of being able to reel it and fish on a rod now. So it's one of my prized possessions. The reason why I ask about your material possessions is sometimes you're asked to lend it to someone or, to, or someone will say, well, let me throw it out. And this is in the normal course of things because at this point in time, we're trying to clean up our house, just get rid of all that accumulation of stuff over the years and just simplify our lives. Because we've got stuff in our house, we've been in our house for 25 years. We've got stuff in our house that's been there for 25 years. And since we put it in, never looked at it, thought about it, or used it. And it isn't likely in the next 25 years we're going to think about it, look at it, or use it. So we're either going to give it away or throw it away. And a lot of it is paper. I throw away five garbage bags of paper. Because I need space in my filing cabinet. And I've got Maybe about 15 more bags is early by the time we've, we finish this exercise. Um, but your car, what is the likelihood that you give your car away? No, no, no. You, have, you don't have the option of another car. 
I just say shot well, fine, you need that car. <laughs> Not that I necessarily need the car, I just want the car. I, I, I don't want to sit there. No, you're healthy. Uh, you're healthy, and you have a, a date tomorrow, and she ain't taking the bus. <laughs> But the person does want a car. Right? But the person does want a car. Yeah, I just said, Shadwell, I like that car. Yeah. I've always wanted a car like that. Actually, let's make it even better. Shadwell, okay, I need that car. Because I got a date tomorrow, and she ain't taking a bus. So, the two of us in the same condition. You have the car, I don't have the car. I ain't nothing to do I I think I he chose to give his son for us. So we might have like, not because we deserved it, but because as far as he's concerned, these people need it. They need Jesus Christ. They need a savior. That's right. You know what I uh, looked at the genealogy of mine? Uh, it said, Adam is the son of God. So in a way, we are sons and I feel the relationship might be a bond between his creation and... But Adam is made in the image of God and he's God's creation. Right? Um, but Adam was not God. No, no, no. I mean, he was his son. I mean, if you look at the genealogy, and they say, uh, uh, goes down, it goes right to say, and Adam, and Adam is the son of God. Well, in that Adam is God's creation, right? But Adam is not part of the Trinity. No, no, I mean, I'm right? Jesus Christ, always God, part of the Trinity. He's not an outside son, he's God's creation. He came from God. He was God's, uh, what's the word? Um, what's the word used when you're in, in someone's mind? As in God's design, God's unique design. No one else created Adam. It wasn't a collaboration, it was purely God. He formed him out of the dust of the ground. Pardon? He formed him out of the dust of the ground. That's right. I mean, there was nothing, and then there was, God, there was God's creation. And Adam was made in the image of God. That's why you wouldn't get a gorilla being God's son. He was made in the image of God. So he's like God to a certain extent. But he's not God. In our image. So if you realize that God is willing to give up his prized possession, riches really himself, how many of us who have children are willing to sacrifice our children? Even sacrifice ourselves for someone else. Particularly if that person is actually maligning us, cheating us for it. To be quite honest, it ain't very likely. It's not very likely. But if we do, that's a sign of great love. And one of the proofs of God's love is his sending his son. And quite often, you know, there's a this old term. You know, if you love me, prove it. 
And don't tell me what you did long ago. What have you done for me lately? Like there's this cousin, I don't know if I told you, this cousin of mine, you know, and we were going through a, a Bible study. And one of the questions was, when last did you tell your spouse that you love them? He basically said, listen, I told my wife 20 years ago that I love her when I married her. I haven't told her that since. I don't plan to tell her that anytime soon because nothing changed. If it changes, I'll tell her. Well, nothing's changed, so I don't have to tell her anymore. <laughs> well, his wife was right there and she didn't take very kindly to that. But we like to know if she loved me, what have you done for me lately? God has never stopped loving us. Jesus Christ's sacrifice has never been irrelevant. It's as relevant today as it was yesterday. The very fact that we wake up in the morning, and as I said initially, God has given us the sunrise, that's a sign of how much He loves us. He's constantly giving to us. Our problem is, we take it for granted. We're living, actually, one lady told me on the weekend she was angry with God. The very fact that we're able to be angry with God is a sign that He loves us. So he's always thinking about us. Let's never forget that. Greater love has no one than this. I'm sure it's a very familiar verse. But one lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. Jesus laid down his life by dying and giving. If Jesus just died, if someone just died, that doesn't do very much for us at all, except for us to mourn and to breathe. But by dying, Jesus gave us something that we really needed. We needed life. We needed a relationship with God. The only way we could have eternal life was if Jesus died. So he did it. Now, if you bring it fast forward to today in our daily lives, how can we lay down our lives for others the same way we want to demonstrate this love in John 15? Greater love has no one than this, but one lay down his life for his friends. Does it literally mean that we can't show love to our friends or to God's people unless we physically die? No, I'll answer the question. Absolutely not. But what I would like is to give you some ideas how we can actually do that practically. Well, one of the things that is like, say that you could brothers home to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's the point of somebody saying to their home? For example, I was in the hospital waiting to see the doctor. And the cut and the cubicle area being a young girl, I was there for about two hours and it was cold. You know, you came out of the hospital, mm -hmm. it's very, very cold. Oh, I didn't know. And that. I was spending. There's a young girl that came just like me because I was crying when I went in because I had a bag of medication to give because I went to AA three times. They've given me medication and the wizard walked so I brought my medication on the second visit to receive my medication. There's a young girl who came in, she might have been 16. And she was in a wheelchair, and she had her medication in her hand. That's what you do if you're concerned about your medications. Mm -hmm. And she was crying. So I was sitting there, and there were one or two patients who had blankets. They, they were ran out of blankets, and they could be so bad, and they could care less about it or not. But I said to her, are you sold? She said, yes. So I took off my sweater. Mm -hmm. I still have to wait for my name to be called. Right. But my heart went out to her because I've been there a while and so my body had become slightly accustomed to the coldness. Mm -hmm. And a while later they called my name. And I didn't take off that sweater from that when I left it there. Right. And so when I came home, we said, What did you do with my sweater? Nothing. So I said, Mommy, I, she said, Rosie, we gave it. I said, Mommy, and I just discussed it with her the other day. I said, Mommy, 
But then, how would it have been? I gave her that sweater because she was cold. My name is Paula Cedar and then I politely take off my sweater off the girl and put it back on. I said, my parking, I left it there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, somebody's cold. Right. Actually, that's a wonderful example mm-hmm. of showing love. Mm-hmm. It's very convenient to ignore other people's needs. Right. It's literally when it causes us to sacrifice our own comfort, or come out of our comfort zone. You know, so it may be a person may just need someone to talk with. Mm-hmm. Um, someone to listen. But we are too, we have an agenda. Mm-hmm. We have to get these things done. I can't stop. Uh, if you catch me in Next week, yeah, we could talk. Um, or, but I like to add one thing. You have to do it in these days and times in such a way that I've come to a conclusion that doesn't affect you. For example, I used to feel vacant for many years. When I went to Wendy's, I used to walk to Wendy's. Now, out of my plan, I had four or five days. This is before Paul fell ill. Mm-hmm. And Paul sometimes would give me a little change to walk to Wendy's and get something, a treat. Right. I would take 99 cents out, they had an egg, just the egg, mm-hmm. and give them a cup of coffee. But you know, the very, that's why I said you have to be careful though. He ended up following me to my corner. Right. So I called the police and they told me, so I'm just saying, you have to be good. The girl I left her at the hospital, so right. she did not know where I left to say, follow me, become a harassment. Right. But you have to do it with wisdom and these yes. things intact. That is very important. Mm-hmm. I think we discussed that previously. You have to exercise wisdom. Right. However, exercise wisdom as you love. Right. Not to prevent you from loving. Right. Right. But use it to enable you to love. For example, that goes like a hospital. We never discussed where I lived or anything. I feel like he left this on her. Right. Um, for example, the vagrant. You, there is no advantage to him knowing where you live. Oh, yeah. At all. Yes. Well, no. Well, <laughs> hear, me, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. In, in his mind, it may be because <laughs> right. that's the source of the money. Right. Okay. And there's the pretty lady. Right. Okay. But in his development, right. that does not help him. Right. He didn't at all. No. Right. No. Because really, what helps him most is to be able to get a job. Right. Right. And to take care of himself. And there's no need for him to be distracted by the right. female. Right. So the wisdom is. If I'm going to give you something, actually what may be wiser is to give him something to eat, right, on an occasion, and find out why you aren't working, <laughs> and leave it at that, uh, right. right, or actually the wisdom might be not to give him anything at all, <laughs> and let him get a job, yeah. right, you never know where people are in life, or why they are, where they are, right, yeah. so, you know, your attitude, one, needs to be right. I'm a firm believer that with our attitude being right, perfectly be going toward the Lord, He will direct us. He may say, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Or He may say, do this. And leave it at that. You may want to do all kinds of things. You may want to you know, say, uh, give you a right to the Salvation Army and get some clothes, etc. All which may seem good, but not necessarily helpful to Him. Right, so we do need to exercise wisdom and look to the Lord for wisdom. Because as the word says in James, you know, if you lack wisdom, go to the Lord for wisdom. Um, but it's important for us to realize that our agenda isn't necessarily more important than everyone else's. God puts people in our lives for a reason. He gives us capacity to love, not for us to love ourselves, but to love others. Yes. Right? And the same way he gives us gifts in order to build up the body, he blesses us with resources and talents to build up others. Ultimately, to attract everyone to Christ. To conform everyone. Now, You'd be amazed, we may not be, but I've always found 
when I kept up my agenda and I have allowed myself to love, I find myself being loved or being impacted in ways I can't imagine. And that is God working. God understands his creation better than we can ever imagine. And it really is a beautiful tap interwoven tapestry where whatever we do affects, we will never know the extent of the effect. But we need to love regardless. The same way our Lord loves us unconditionally, we should be willing to love unconditionally. But we're going to get out of it. But I can assure you, when you love, you will get a lot out of it. It may not be what you want, but I can assure you, it's what you need. It is what you need. Any comments so far? Uh, yes, sir, uh, no, what what I've done for me lately, uh, uh, I show my love to God, you know, uh, you know, um, to show probably that I love myself more than I love God. Oh, okay. Well, that's the nature of my hand. You know, uh, because, you know, it's, it's my head be thinking with God sometimes. Or when we bark against the wall, so to speak, I start thinking, uh, well, maybe God don't exist. Maybe God can't help. Maybe I need to do this myself. And I also now I'm wondering, well, here's a chance for God to prove himself. Sometimes that's not a thought that's right in front of my mind, you know. Sometimes it's me, uh, how you solve this. Uh, I, I, I venture to fix it myself. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes it may just be a spur of the moment thing that you go back and you think and you're going to say, I wasn't a way to handle it. I wasn't a way to Christian to handle it. It's something like you have a Christian amnesia. Not really a major, but if you're, you're, you're thinking of God, it yeah. comes and goes, you know, it's not always forefront. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, Shadra. And when I look back on my life, when I have hard times like that, you know what's been missing? My devotions. It's very difficult to forget about God when you started the day with Him. And you ended the day with Him. He tends to be with you all the time. When you break that, that stride, that's when you start becoming full of yourself and you start going down that slippery slope. And if you find that in the morning and the evening isn't good enough because life is so intensive, take a break in the middle of the day. You don't have to spend half an hour, just a few minutes, just to remind yourself who you are in God's economy, that He does love you and He does care about you. And when you start facing those heavy decisions or those temptations, he's been so close to you not so long ago that you can handle it. You realize God's here. Sometimes I think about him, but sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes it's like, it's like thinking like, uh, maybe God, maybe God can't handle this. Maybe God. Maybe I need to do this myself. And then when you, then, then when you finish, you'll be like, you know, that ain't the way a Christian should handle that, should handle that, you know? But what I would suggest to you, though, Shadwell, is part of wisdom is learning from history and learning from your mistakes. And if you're able to say to yourself or to us that God is, in fact, supreme, and God is loving. So that puts you a few pegs down from God. Whenever you are faced with an issue, don't even question whether God can handle it or not. Start chastising yourself to the point where you say, Lord, I need to be whipped into shape. Because there are times when I pray to the Lord and said, Lord, I know what you want me to do. I know I really don't want to do that. 
It's given me the strength to do it. A lot of us will go through those times. It may be because you're too lazy, um, you don't feel you're prepared, um, you don't want to go through the embarrassment, but whatever it is, whatever Satan is using to stop us from doing what God requires of us, just bring it before the Lord. And because it's going to happen so often, once you get into that routine, you will always feel the Lord close to you. And I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that you won't make mistakes and do what you aren't supposed to do, which is no real pass, and hopefully you'll be able to correct whatever mistake you've made, or not continue down that slippery slope. But in my, I know it may not work for you, but I'm telling you personally in my life, when I have been in constant communication with God, devotions, prayer, and I don't mean these long, beautiful prayers. Even when I'm driving down the road, going to work, or going to a site, just bring whatever task is before me before the Lord, whether it's a problem or not, just bring, bring it before the Lord. I've been less susceptible to sinning. Even if I go away and I could get to have devotions, I feel it. Because that weekend, you notice that weekend comes into Monday and Tuesday without the devotions. Stay consistent with your devotional, in your devotional life. Yeah. Studying the Word, studying books by good godly authors, and your prayer life. There's nothing that can beat that. That keeps you close to God. Yeah. Can you imagine? You know, all this adrenaline and testosterone flowing through you, right? And these scantily clad women walking across your car asking for a ride. And all that you can think about for is this what you want me to do? Well, you answer that question and you'll press the accelerator. You'll do what it takes to avoid that issue. Yeah. Flee from sin. That's what the word says. And if that's the last thing that you read and you see sin right in front of you, it may be women, it may be money, it may be power, whatever it is. But you recognize it and you start taking the right, the, the right measures. Because God will guide you along that way. But if you haven't been talking with him and communing with him, it's going to become more and more difficult. Yeah. How do you with the devotions? You know, last time I received a call and instead of don't meditate, I said, you take this call, you know, to do on devotions, I think devotions afterwards. And also, maybe I used to talk to some, some time ago. And I fall pretty in a conversation, hmm. you know, just good while I was doing it, but I, when I finished, I started to think about things, you know, and in the, that in the way, I, I have been setting my life up to go. Good. So I said, uh, probably, all about him, never know, my son just contemplates. Mm -hmm. And that's excellent, because, like we said last week, Temptation is going to come to all of us. Right? The slippery slope is when that temptation leads to desire, and that desire, when it's full grown, leads to sin. So if you can stop with the temptation, because that's the fact, that's what existed. And not go any further. Deal with it right there, and it's stop there. Because once your desires start getting, and the emotions start getting going, it's hard to stop it from going to sin. It's real hard to stop it from going to sin. So the best block between that um, temptation and desire is some sort of communion with God, whether it's prayer, devotional, reading Bible, whatever it is. And if you're consistently doing that, it's going to be hard for that desire and sin to get in there. And you said something about it's in the last Sunday. You said, uh, the, the Oh, yes. 
Time. Expected. Go before God and decide how you're going to deal with it when it comes. Don't let it catch you by surprise. That's going to be difficult. If you know that's your weakness, you learn how to deal with that particular thing. Sometimes it helps, I think, to also do this, lay down our lives for others, give up our agenda, serve, and that also helps us to get our minds off of temptation. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just change gears sometimes dramatically. What can you know, I do to go help somebody else? That's right. And that's the Lord working. He knows that's what we need to be doing. Because yeah. that helps us on so many levels. It's a wonderful witness of who we are as Christians. Yeah. It helps us in that I don't care how evil a person is, there's something that can transform a person when they know they've helped another person. There's nothing like, even if the person doesn't say thanks, helping, helping people helps us. I guess that's how we wire it, that's how God made us. It's something that we need to do. And when we decide we aren't going to do it, we suffer. We do suffer. Yeah. And remember, we said we are made in the in the image of God. Actually, we didn't say that. God's word says that. We've got a loving God. So maybe that means love is something that is really part of us. Well, it's only because of the fall that it doesn't come to the forefront. God's faithfulness. Psalm 89.5 Lord, the heavens praise you for your miracles and for your loyalty. And in some versions, that loyalty is um, called faithfulness. In the meeting of your holy ones. Faithfulness is part of God's character. And he cannot go against his character the same way really we can't go against our character. And we can always depend upon him to do what he has promised. He has always promised, he's promised never to leave us or to forsake us. Really, that's promising to love us. And we should take strength from that. We should, I say, we should gain strength from that. Gain, and gain confidence from that. And our moments of despair should be dismissed, if not minimized. Because we have a loving Father who loves us regardless of who we are or what we do. I can't change because He is love. And the last verse here is, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is, and he is love. And because of that, we should have confidence as we face whatever adversity there is out there, whatever challenge, we serve a loving God who will take care of us. He will pick us up from church because he said so. Now, I had a discussion about two weeks ago. It was three, three fellas. Of course, when I don't know what ladies talk about when you all get together. But when men get together, we solve all the world's problems. And one fella said, you know, it's a problem with the world today. People don't have best friends. When I was growing up, I had a best friend. I had loads of friends, but I had one best friend. And if I was on the side of the road, and Timmy told me he was coming for me. I don't care who passed. I was in Captain Arrive because Timmy said he was coming for me. And I could depend on that because Timmy was going to show up. He was going to pick me up. If Timmy promised he was going to do this, I know he was going to do it. The only thing that would stop him is if he died. But people don't have best friends like that anymore, he said. Well, I have to disagree. Because. I know my sons have 
friends like that. And well, I have the names. Um, but we have someone even better than that. One who says he loves us, and that's his character. He can't change, no matter what we do. You know, when someone, if we upset someone, we might change and say, well, I'm going up. Just like my, my niece, you know, she, has, she had this best friend at one time. And man, she used to get upset because she said, Uncle Paul, you knew my best friend before I did. That's not fair. And then I said, well, how is she doing? She said, oh, I don't know. I said, you don't know? I thought you used to talk all the time. And yeah, but she's not my best friend anymore. That's not the decision is God. He is always our loving God. No matter what we're going through. And because of that, you should always be able to do one thing. Now, before I get to that, um, from day to day, we never have to wonder what God will be like. There's not change, and we can rely on that. We can trust Him completely because we know He will always be the loving God He promises to be. No matter what time of day it is, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the temptation. And because of that, we can praise the Lord. Um, and that's one thing we should never stop doing. Praise the Lord. If you're busy praising the Lord, that's the last time we have to be doing things that He would not approve of. Let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Such a wonderful reminder of your great love for us. Would you have left such a, a wonderful love letter to us, letting us know who you are, who we are in your economy, reminding us of your great love for us so that we could be comforted, we could be confident as we face trial and temptation, whatever adversity may come our way, knowing that because of your great love, we have overcome. Because of your great love, if we are obedient to you, if we remember you, indeed you will be faithful in showing us the way through and out of whatever difficulty we face. Father, we just come before you, bring our lives before you as living sacrifices, desiring that our lives be pleasing in your sight. And we pray for your protection from the attack of the enemy. We pray that you grant us safety as we leave. Just show us your way. And grant us safety that we would come back to again explore your word, to worship you with our lives. And dear Lord, as a result, we do indeed praise you. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen.